Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your girl, Kelly Howard. Yes, Kelly, et cetera. Um, oh, my God. It's been seven months. It's been seven months. The last podcast was March 21st. What the heck, right? Um, first of all, let me give my sincerest apologies for the drop off of earth that I did. Um, I needed to work on me. And uh, we're also back without Phil. So uh, he is no longer with us, not in a bad way. He didn't die. <laughs> He's just no longer on the podcast as my co-host or sometimes Phil as he was um, acknowledged as. I'm really, really happy to be back. I really, really am. And it's so much to cover. So let me just do my quick intros and then we can get right on to it. First of all, go Cubbies. World Series champions, Chi-Town. That's how we do it. Bam. Uh Hashtag go Harvey Coates. I'm always going to represent Harvey because that's where I'm from. Don't hate. Uh, and uh, fuck the election. So now that we've talked about all the necessary points, let's get on to what I want to talk about, which is shit happens. So I've been gone for seven months, and it has been a tug of war between self and uh, who I want to be and who others think I should be. Uh, so my real self this fictitious self I've created and then the ones that others have created about me. That has been a very difficult and trying situation. And I've uh, went through a lot of ups and downs from depression to antidepressants to therapy to uh, acupuncture to um, realizing that I don't get migraines like I was told 20 years ago and have thought for the last 20 years. I actually get tension headaches and that a chiropractor can fix that. So I've been through a lot during this last seven months, but it hasn't all been bad, y'all. It ain't all been bad. I taped my first commercial with Comcast, Turn Up, National, SAG, got my card, uh, did Chicago Justice, another tape TV thing, like shit. Shit was happening. Shit was popping. But uh, a lot of other stuff has happened in between there, too. And I felt the need because I'm a very open comic, very personal comic. I like to share with uh, people the shit I've been through and hope that they can find some growth or learning something that maybe they don't have to go through that I went through. Yeah. So um, to go right in to my first issue over the last seven months was trying to battle out what I wanted versus what I thought I wanted. A lot of the times I found myself constantly saying, I'm a comedian and I'm funny and I'm a comedian and I'm a, I'm a performer and uh, I should be on stage and I should tell jokes. And I was constantly recycling these thoughts in my head only to realize that I don't know if that's what the fuck I wanted. I was only doing it because I had been doing it my entire life, literally. My entire life I've been telling jokes. My entire life I've been doing comedy because that was the way that I dealt with the bullshit that I felt was happening in my life. I made fun of it. I cracked jokes. I talked about other people and I demeaned other people and I brought them down to make them feel how I was feeling. And that shit catches up to you. <laughs> that's probably the only thing I can say is that it does catch up to you and it caught up to me and it made me really start to question who I was as an individual, as a performer, as a mother, as a wife, as a friend. Um, I had been living so selfishly. And so to, to lie to myself and others to pretend like everything was okay and to, to constantly um, come on air and, 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 
you know, crack jokes with Phil and not be honest with myself, I think is one of the biggest reasons why I had to take this little hiatus. Um, yeah, and I'm really, really glad that I did because I figured out um, a lot of things about my own personal behaviors that was causing me unnecessary pain and suffering that I could actually change and um, correct on my own. So let's talk about these tension headaches that I thought were migraines for 20 years. So for 20 years, I've been diagnosed with migraines, and therefore I thought there was no cure. I'm taking um, all these different migraine preventative medications and um, all this other stuff that's supposedly going to help me. And sure enough, the shit helped me feel worse in other areas, but better because I didn't have headaches. But then it was fucking with my sex drive and my the way that I ate and my weight fluctuation. And it was all these other things. And then not to mention the MS, right? So we have the medicines with that, which we talked about that in prior um, episodes. But it's like a lot of shit. Um, and if we have any new listeners, yes, I have multiple sclerosis and um, that's a whole nother podcast. But multiple things were happening to a point where I was unable to control who I was. And so I started to question these migraines. I'm like, this can't be the end, right? This can't be the all in all. <laughs> and so I looked into getting acupuncture again, and I contacted a chiropractor. And when I did that, he took all my symptoms and wrote them down and put them into a little chart and did some other analysis and said, hey, you actually don't get migraine headaches. You get tension headaches. I get tension headaches. What do you mean? He was like, well, first and foremost, it means that it's curable. You don't have to have this forever. What is curable? Well, hell, how the hell you figure it's curable? And he was like, well, you just have extreme tightness in your shoulders. And he goes and he starts doing these different moves and cracking stuff and, and, and massaging stuff. And and the headaches were starting to subside. Like they weren't every, because I was getting two, three headaches a day. And I was popping four or five ibuprofen every time. I was starting to kill myself with these headaches. And when I sought help and he told me that they were tension headaches and that they were needed to be controlled by my own tension intake, meaning if I'm stressed out or if I'm clenching, which a lot of people do unknowingly. We hold our shoulders up to our ears and we carry our weight like that. We carry our bags, we carry our groceries, we carry our books, we carry our children, we carry our conversations with our shoulders up at our ears, and we don't realize how much that's actually creating abnormalities in the way that our muscles function which creates headaches because now we're expecting other mus muscles to compensate for the incorrect or improper use of these muscles. So having understood that, I was like, oh shit, I need to stop raising my shoulders. And right now, even as I'm having this podcast, I'm like trying to go through, and I know Chris is probably like, what the fuck? It's happening over there because I'm going through this transition of trying not to raise my shoulders as I'm talking so passionately about what I've been going through. And so, um, after talking to this doctor and realizing that I needed to implement, I was already meditating, which we had talked about that on prior episodes as well, but I wasn't meditating consistently. I was very inconsistent, um, and I had unrealistic expectations of what meditation should do 
instantly or what these small changes, right? We make changes and we give it a week and we give it two weeks and we be like, why the fuck ain't nothing happened yet? Because that's not real. That's not, these habits have been developed over 10, 20, 30 years, 40, 50 years for some of us. And so to think that they're just going to be obsolete because we decide to bring on this new positive change is unrealistic. And I had that unrealistic thought process going into meditation and everything else. And um, so after a short while of not getting what I expected out of that, I would cut it loose or stop doing it or find something else that was more important. I had to really, really appreciate the importance of my own mental health and my own physical health in order to understand that those two things fuel the health of my career and my financial status and everything else like in the health of my relationships like those two things because if I'm not mentally okay then I can't participate in this world it's just realistic without being medicated you know it's just so many other and and y'all know I was smoking oh my god I was smoking blunts like cigarettes I was smoking weed back to back to back to back to a point where I couldn't hail a five-minute conversation without damn near hawking up a lung like it was terrible so knowing that I was creating all of this shit in my life I had to step back and really really question all of my beliefs honestly because when we're taught something at such a young age that we have to be like this right I thought that my aggression and my heart and nature were unchangeable personality traits that this is just who I am. My shoulders raise up because I carry tension like that. I have to do this. I have to be strong. I have to be powerful. I'm the only person that's able to fix these things that's happening around me. But in all actuality, I wasn't fixing anything. I was making them so much worse by adding tension and aggression and attitude to these scenarios. So by going to this doctor, realizing that tension was a problem and that I needed to really, really calm myself, my thoughts, my behaviors, and I'm talking about in everything. Pay attention to the way you brush your teeth. If you have headaches, <laughs> if you're a person that get headaches frequently, watch how you brush your teeth. It's so aggressive. It's so aggressive. I had to look at myself and was like, damn, like I'm aggressively brushing my teeth right now. And I had to calm myself while brushing my teeth because I move way too fast. And when you move way too fast, you do things very fast and very intensely to get it over with. And I was creating so much pain. So when I started to meditate because of this, right? So, and I'm 87 days strong on meditation. I have to clap on that one. I have to give myself kudos because I ain't did shit consistently, but go to the bathroom on a daily basis. Okay, I haven't even eaten every day of my life. Like, I have never done anything consistently. And, like, even sleep. I can't say that I've done anything in my life consistently except go to the restroom. That's it. Everything else, I've fucking changed and figured out a way not to have to do it. And so to have meditated for 87 days, this is a huge advancement in my life and apparently other people around me see the growth you know you don't see the growth and then people tell you like man you're really doing this and man I've seen so much this in you you know my husband told me yesterday like I'm so proud of you like I've seen you the last six months just be so consistent with all of your ideas and your habits and you get up every day and you do your writing and you do you know and it's just so crazy to have developed these habits because I used to make excuses for why I didn't write Right. I would say, well, I'm just a natural performer. <laughs> I just perform. You know, I'm on. I'm, it's better when I just, you know, I'm on the spot. 
really is it though or is it better when you take that on the spot and you transform it into actual developed material at a later time right but I didn't learn that until I went to Second City but that's a whole nother uh conversation that we're going to get to hopefully by the end of this paper that I have in front of me I have so much that I want to um discuss but understanding though that I can control my body I think was one of the biggest eye-opening things about this last six, seven months as I went through this transition because I also realized that I can also control my mind. And when you realize that your habits, when you, when you, when you call your habits out, right, like, oh, my God, this is so gross, but I'm going to tell you. I used to have a really bad habit of picking my nose with tweezers, like, like the scabs and stuff, like I used to pick them, and I would just, I mean, for hours, I could just sit and fucking do that shit, especially if I was high, oh my God, if I was high, it was probably going to get done even worse, because I'm high, and I ain't even thinking about shit, but just sitting here, this, and eating, right, and I'm just sitting just on some gross, nasty shit, and so when I started making myself aware, though, that I was doing that, every single time I did it, I was like, oh shit, you're doing that, and it was like recognition. It's kind of like when somebody is constantly telling you no, like if you constantly tell the dog no, eventually he's going to realize, no, you, you shouldn't do that. And it's like reminding myself. So I was reminding myself of relaxation, right, in the midst of a conversation when I find myself getting upset or frustrated. First of all, if I'm getting upset or frustrated in a conversation, I'm probably not really listening to that person. I'm probably thinking about what I want to say and, and what is pissing me off about the scenario and how I'm going to get my point across. So that's that's a whole nother podcast, though. But I was realizing this and I'm like, OK. I can control where this conversation goes. I can control how this angry driver that just cut off in front of me makes me feel. I can control how anxious I get when going from one place to another while driving, if that's my only means of communication, and I get frustrated when I only have a certain amount of time to get there and people are driving slow in front of me, then I could probably leave a little earlier. You know what I'm saying? I can do things that's not going to create all of this anxiety and tension and when you realize when you've had headaches as long as I fucking had I've had headaches for 20 years and when I tell you that I've had more days where I've had them than more days where I haven't in my life like I've got I used to get them every day every day like sometimes twice a day and when I found that I had multiple sclerosis my neurologist was like that could be just one, you know, because I know, I don't know if anybody know, um, Montel Williams has mon uh, multiple sclerosis and he, like his, his legs burn really, really bad and his feet burn really, really bad. And it's just part, it's like one of the symptoms of the, the illness for him. You know, everybody has different ways that their body reacts to MS. That's why it's really no cure. It's really no understanding of it. And so his legs just burn. You know, I was told that, that, that those headaches were just part of my, my illness. You know, so it's like, it's like being told these things and summing up that, yes, this must be fact, um, was very limiting for me. And so to be told that this is not fact by, by somebody else, a doctor, you know, somebody of prestige that had, you know, years of experience, to be told that was relieving because I was like, wait a minute, what about all these other things I've been told in life? Is that fact? You know, and I had to question that. And so 
on top of my 90 days of meditation and, you know, or 87 days, but on top of me coupling, you know, meditation and realizing my tension and going to see this chiropractor. And today I am nine days, 10 days, no headache. I've not had a headache in 10 days. And I'm telling you, I was getting them daily. Like, I have the confidence to not even carry ibuprofen in my bag now. <laughs> like, that's where I've gotten to. And I would have two and three and four bottles of ibuprofen in my bag. And so getting to that point really made me question everything. Why do I do comedy? What am I really trying to obtain here? What, why, why, you know, like, I used to believe, for instance, my mom told me, when I was a kid, that little bump that comes on your tongue, you know, the swollen, um, how your sometimes your taste buds swell, you know, to the little bump that comes is a lie bump. Have you ever heard that? Yes. And so my <laughs> my husband was like, who the, who the fuck told you that, right? And I'm like, my mama, right? And I'm just convinced that this is a damn lie bump, right? And so even though as an adult, you would think that something that menial would be obvious, to be like, oh, no, this is, but really it's not when you've been told something your whole life and you really believe it. You really think that this is the answer, especially from somebody like a parent, right? And so we had to have this conversation with my mom, like, yo, who the fuck told you that, you know? <laughs> and she blamed it on, she blamed it on my grandmother on my dad's side, which is dead. So I thought that was super petty of her because I was like, we don't have no proof and no one if she told you or not. <laughs> but either way, just like stuff like that and we don't question it is so harmful to our life because we get ingrained in a certain pattern of believing things about ourselves and about others because we don't never question what anybody says or what anybody else has believed, especially if we respect them. We don't question it. And I've gotten to a point where I question every goddamn thing, but not in a negative way. Even if somebody's telling me something, even if I'm questioning it, I'm not gonna be like, and where did you hear that? You know, I may say, oh, interesting. And then go look it up. You know what I'm saying? Myself, like, like I question, everything because I've spent an entire lifetime believing I had migraines that was not curable, that black women are not as beautiful as lighter skinned women. And I don't mean just white, I mean even light complected black women. We've always been pitted against them. I've, I've had that, that the only way that I can be respected is to be funny or heard is to be funny. And that's not necessarily true. Um, that the bump that grows on your tongue is a lie bump. You know, I've been told so many things in my life that have not been true. And as I go back and I revisit the things that I've been told, I've started to open so many doors. I read a book, and I don't even mean like by people that, t I read a book, um, it's, it's called The Book of Birthdays, and it's a book about, it, like it tells you about yourself. And oh my God, I was reading this book, and I'm like, this bitch is right. Who is she? She knows me, right? And I'm reading this book, and I'm so engulfed by this book that has all these personal things about me that I feel she knows because I'm a Libra and because I was born on this day and she knows exactly and then and then I read a line that says no matter how hard you try you'll never be a team player I embodied that comment from there on out and I think I read that when I was like 20 I embodied that comment it was like Psh, I don't have to be a team player because it's not in me it's not a part of my personality. It's not a part of my makeup, you know? And so I really felt this way for a 
very long time, and I spent a lot of years trying to convince myself that I wasn't a team player, that I didn't have to play nice, that I didn't have to work with others. And then I became a stand-up comedian because that's the most selfish fucking job you can get. <laughs> and so I'm like, why not be a stand-up? Because I don't fucking have to play well with others. But when I started to open my eyes and want to do other things like Second City and improv, that's hard, right? When you're a selfish person and you only want to play by yourself because that is a very collective sport. That's a very, we work together, we build each other up, we create scenarios that we both all get a chance to play in. And I wasn't understanding that. So having been through all of these, 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 these things that I believed about myself, all this negative stuff that I had embodied over the years and then starting to question them. And now I don't even know how, at the same period of time, right? Because I'm kind of meshing in time frames here a little bit. But throughout this whole time, I was in the Second City Conservatory program. How I got in, I don't fucking know because I'm not a team player. But <laughs> or I wasn't a team player, let me say that, before Second City. And I was going through this process in the, in the Second City uh, program. And I started to really, really understand the art of giving which was interesting for me because anytime I used to give, I would only give with, um, with hopes or, or expectations of receiving, right? I'm giving this because I'm expecting this back. And the more and more I did that, the smaller and smaller my circle of connections, of people, of friends got, <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm only doing for those who do for me. And you can't build connections and you can't grow networks like that because then you're just exchanging between these three or four people that's willing to do the same. And I was doing that for a long time, but realizing all of these things about me and realizing all of these questions, they were raising more and more questions, which is the good thing about questions because the more questions that you have, the more questions that you have. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's like an endless amount of questions, which is great because it opens doors to worlds you didn't even know existed. It's so much shit that I've seen. And yeah, I was in the military and yeah, I went to Italy and I traveled the world per se, but I still was, my eyes were still closed to so much stuff that was in that world that I was visiting, right? In Italy and in these places that I've traveled to, I still could not see the beauty in those places now. I'm gonna I'm throw a look. Now, throughout this seven months, I also did mushrooms. So that does open your mind to a whole nother level of thinking. Let me put that little bit of <laughs> that little bit of information out there for the people that are like listening, like, oh, I want to experience this too. Like, I don't know if 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 mushrooms were the key, but I do know that the first time I ever had mushrooms was on my birthday uh, of this year. I turned 35 years old. And it was the most eye-opening experience I'd ever. It's like everything that I had been working towards all those months, all those five and six months up into my birthday, where I was really working on me, came full circle when I did mushrooms. It's like it made it make sense to me. Um, so I guess in that in that sense, I would have to say I had a good trip. <laughs> um, but to channel it back to like Second City and opening my eyes and working with others and starting to see all of these things collectively started to teach me a lot of things about myself and a lot of, of of things about who I was as a person 
to other people, you know, because I would always, but I was quick to blame my husband for the shit that we would go through in the house because I felt like it was all his fault. But even if it was all his fault, we have to be responsible for ourselves. And that means even when we get upset. So if somebody does something to make us upset and then we get upset, then we have to be responsible for getting upset. That was our choice. He didn't say get upset. He just did something I didn't like. And therefore, I had the choice to react one way or another. And so throughout this meditation process and everything that I've been doing and reading and just trying to make sure that I treat others the way that I want to be treated. And oh my God, please understand that I used to, my mom used to say that all the time. I'd be like, that's bullshit and it ain't real and it doesn't work. You know, <laughs> like, you know, you treat people a certain way. You think that you treat them nice or you think that you're doing these things. But a lot of times our heart is rooted in so much negativity. Or, and I'm not going to say our heart because I don't fucking know you. I'm going to say my heart. A lot of times my heart was rooted in so much negativity that I would say I'm doing something nice or I would think I'm doing something nice and I wasn't. I was doing it to make myself feel good in some way, right? But even though that's a shitty way to start, it's a great way to start if you just keep doing it because it eventually becomes you really wanting to help people and you really wanting to do good things for people, but when you also exercise other areas of your life, like the meditation and the reading and focusing on other things that that bring all these things together, I realized that I was inconsistent and I was unrealistic and I wanted so much shit to change with only doing half of the work. And this big eye opener came when I became a Second City imp uh, Conservatory class member with what I think it was 13 of us uh, or 12 of us in that class and we had to write scenes or we had to perform scenes and then when you perform a scene you take the scene that you performed if you were in it right and then you would take that home and write it and make it a better scene and you would bring it back in and you would pitch it and so people that had a habit and a consistency of writing on a daily basis did that and people that didn't didn't which was me. <laughs> I didn't do those things because I didn't feel, the, I felt like I was naturally talented. I didn't need to do those things. I didn't need to try to pretend to be, I'm good. I'm good and that's that. That's why I'm in the program. I'm good, right? And so having this mentality really, really fucked me up for like the first six months of being in this program. And, and, and towards the last six months, I really started to understand what it was I was learning. I was learning how, for one, to be a fucking team player and how to work with others. I was I was learning how to take other suggestions without trying to uh, one-up them with my suggestion. You know, I think, we, I think I do that. I think I've done that a lot in the past where people have said something and then I'm like, oh, that's great, but what if, you know, and I'm t completely belittling their idea by saying what I think would make that idea better, as if that idea wasn't good already, you know? And it's not to say that it wasn't, it's just different from what I was thinking at the time. And, and it's not fair to other people to do that. It's not fair to yourself, it's harmful. And understanding that, it really helped me understand how to work with people and how to play nice and how to pretend nice. <laughs> I had to pretend nice for a very long time. And eventually I just started feeling like, oh shit, I really meant that when I said that. That was kind of cool to really tell that person that they did good and not think behind my head, but I could have done better. Because I used to think, I used to do that a lot. And so being in this program, like, and it's crazy because a friend of mine told me that I shouldn't do it. One friend told me I should. My homeboy Chris Red told me I should. He was like, go through the improv for actors, 
then go into improv, uh, conservatory, audition for the conservatory. And I'm going to be honest with you, if you, even if you're not an actor or performer, I think that improv is a great thing for anybody to take at least one class because it teaches you completely different ideas about life than what any book can teach you in an academic format. Like, it, it helps you open up and expand your thought process to things, the, the unknown, I'll say that, the unknown. It makes you question the reality a little bit more. And so I had Chris Red tell me I should, and um, I took his advice because I was tired of questioning what should I do. I was like in a kind of like in a in a limbo. And then I had another friend tell me I shouldn't. And I thought about that I shouldn't for a very long time. I was like, man, maybe I shouldn't. And then I said, no, nah, you know what? I am going to do it. And I'm so glad that I did because other things other than being a team player happened. I also started to trust my voice. For some reason, most artists do not trust their own take on things. <laughs> we think we're creative, but then we got to be reassured by somebody else. Somebody else got to tell us that that was a good joke. Somebody got to tell us that that was a good this, or that was, man, yo, man, that, that was great. The way that you did that was awesome. Like, we need that reassurance. A lot of the times, us as artists, we get on stage because we want to be applauded. We want to be accepted. We want to be, you know, appreciated and needed and recognized. It's like all those emotions are attached and, and, and they coupled up into this, this, this one moment that we all fucking need daily. <laughs> it's so crazy. And as an artist, I was tired of needing that attachment to everything. And so by going through that program, it really made me trust the things that I put out there is good work. But the only way I was able to trust that is by rewriting my work and revisiting my work because I didn't do that. And that also taught me that by the whole stage performance the way that they did things by performing it first and then writing it which is how I perform stand-up I perform stand-up based on an idea I'll go on a stage and go oh that was funny and then I'll take that and I'll go up there and I'll just chat about it on stage and make it into whatever it's gonna be and then I'll play with it if it was a good laugh on that first one that first time I took it out there if it made sense then I'll take it back and say okay I like that I'm gonna do it again at this next show and I won't go and rewrite it I'll just go and do it again at the next show, you know, and it'll be a rendition of, it may not be the exact words, but it'll be something like, and then I'd go and I'd do it at the next show, and then maybe it'll stick as a joke, kind of like the 21 Day Habit, or maybe it'll become just that thing I call on every once in a while, you know, if it's not good enough, or it's not getting the response I wanted to get that's making me feel fulfilled in the joke itself. But I realized by being in Second City, that by taking those jokes back to the table and revisiting them and looking at them and saying, hmm, okay, if I change this word or take this word out or maybe look up another word to say in replace of that word, I was able to make my jokes better in a lot of ways. And see, that mentality came from a very, very young age of you're talented, which is why it's such a shitty thing to tell a kid that they're talented because as much as we want to believe that kids have this natural born, and some do, some oddly do have like natural born abilities to do some really cool shit. But for the most part, we have to teach our kid that hard work and endurance is what gets them to from point A to point B. Not that they're talented, because being told that limits the shit out of them. It limits them so much. And I was limited so much, not because my mom or my parents told me I was talented, but other people told me I was talented. You know, fucking teachers and shit, you know, oh, you're such a talented writer, you're such a ta you know, you tell people that, if I'm a talented writer, why the fuck do I need to rewrite? 
know what I'm saying? The first the first uh, copy of this, the first draft of this was great. <laughs> so it's like you stop you stop working on yourself when you're told that you're already good. And that's fucking insane. And and by doing that, I literally was a 34-year-old, 17-year-old. Like, I was a 34-year-old expecting shit to just come to me because I'm fucking talented. Because I just have things this way. And that's how life should be. And that if it doesn't come to me, then it wasn't meant for me. And that's that other thing that I don't even want to get into. But the whole Christianity view of way of, you know, what God got for me is for me. You know, it's like that attitude coupled with the fact that I'm talented is a, a fucking recipe for failure. Hello. I'm telling you right now, that shit is a recipe for not making it in any industry. You will be become somebody's worker at a job. And I really started to see that in all of my behaviors and everything that I, nothing was a habit. Nothing was consistent. I had bad habits, but my good habits, the things that I really wanted to do, I wanted to write. I wanted to write. I wanted to be consistent on my podcast. I wanted to do these things, but I always found an excuse as to why something was in my way or something was stopping me from being able to do that. And so going through that Second City program, it really did open up my eyes to a lot of stuff that I didn't even know existed. Uh, But aside from that, even after I got out of the Second City program, because that happened in our last show was in September. So I've had a month and a half where I've been out of there. And in this month and a half, some great stuff has happened. You know, I got the Chicago Justice, and that was great. You know, the acting part of my career seemed a little bit more promising, you know. And a lot of good things started to happen. But then I got dropped from my fucking agent, which is the top comedy agent you can fucking have in the industry. The top. The same one that fucking, you know, all these different high-end. I don't want to drop any names, but I'm talking about some of the comics that you love so fucking much. To include Kevin Hart with this agent and so when I got dropped I knew it wasn't nothing personal it's all about numbers are you booking or are you not are you making the money or are you not and uh my my friend my good friend Tiffany Haddish love her to death uh you know she's also with them and she was like yo you know they told me the last two years in a row that if I ain't if I ain't bringing in at least 200,000 that they you know they can't keep me on the roster I barely bring it in we, me and my husband, I don't think, collectively bring it $200,000. I mean, maybe he does because I don't see all his money, but from, I damn sure can guarantee the Laugh Factory ain't paying me. <laughs> $200,000. So understanding that, it's like somebody was pitting for me, right? Somebody was like, she said somebody was, somebody was speaking up for you to stay on that damn roster for the last two years, having not made them really any fucking thing. I probably haven't made them anything. But you still take those blows as like rejection, right? Like, oh, they rejected me. And I was so fucking distraught by this, even though I thought I wasn't. I had meditated and I was in a place where I thought that everything was good. I, I had gotten to a place where arguments didn't go with my husband, you know, like shit would happen. And I'd be like, okay. You know, I was able to, and I was really able to feel good about that. I was able to talk to my kids. I am able, I'm saying I was able as if it's changed. I am, I am able to talk to my kids and have decent, I mean, sit down. Like I have a fucking 15 and 16 year old girls, one with a boyfriend. Those are hard conversations to have, you know, but my daughter comes to me, mom, I want to talk to you. Like that's the type of relationship that I've been able to establish from meditating and working on me and really, really focusing on the things that I can do to be a better person, not for anybody else, but so so that I can fucking feel better. I just want to feel better. I don't care what anybody says. Mean people that are just assholes naturally are not feeling good about themselves. I don't give a fuck what they say. 
even if they pretend, they are not. I was a fucking bitch, and I did not feel good about myself. I cried a lot of nights, even the nights that people didn't see, and I just did not feel like a good person. So understanding that the change starts with me, all those different fucking sayings, like change starts within fucking Michael Jackson, man in the mirror. Like, what are we listening to? Like, people think it's just a song because we look at ourselves and man, man, no, it's a real fucking, it's talking about change starts with you. You're looking at yourself, that's what a fucking change starts. And even, and, and, and sadly, right, People would look at Michael Jackson and be like, oh, he lived a fulfilling life. He did, but he lived a life of pain. He was constantly fucking popping pills and trying not to allow this industry and this world to destroy him. It was very difficult. You have to fucking channel your mind in a positive way in order to fight through the constant fucking bullshit that is given to us subconsciously. We don't even know that we see this shit. It's right here. It's all around. The advertisement, everything. I'm not trying to be one of those type of people where I'm preachy about it, but it's real. The shit will break you down, you know, and some of our greatest loved artists that we look up are being broke down by this and not to mention the added fucking social media and the shit that people say on online, you know. It's just, it's, 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 it's totally hurtful and it kills people daily. And I felt the need to not be that way anymore because... I want it to be more than that, not for anybody else, but for myself. And every individual that heals, heals the world. I really feel like that. Every individual that decides to take a look at themselves in a more positive light, they help other people take a look at themselves in a more positive light. And other people take, even if you do it not knowingly, like you may not even know that you've done it, but you do. And I'm really starting to see that just in my life. And so having been dropped from APA, I was devastated, you know, and I was like, why, you know, the rejection. But at the same time, I had to really, really appreciate the amount of growth and, and the change that has come. And, and maybe these are all signs. I don't fucking know. I don't have the answers, but I know that I'm better today than I was a week ago, you know, and I'm better today than I was yesterday because I know that I can still wake up and I can still focus on the positive things that I have created in my life that have been making me, you know, relaxed and, and happy. My meditation, my writing, the things that are consistent in my life because you, you almost want to give up on those things when you get rejected, right? You almost want to be like, oh, what the fuck am I doing this for? I was so, I, you know, the first day after hearing the news, and as much as some people would be like, oh, you're, maybe you're overreacting or you're taking it, you know, but that's a huge deal. A comedian that have been doing comedy for this long and now I'm really starting to get traction. I'm getting fucking TV shit in Chicago. And it's like to be to be dropped. It's like it, it was devastating, literally devastating. And though I handled it well the first day, it's kind of like a denial. The second day was like, oh, shit, this is real. But the third day is, is when I really start to question why I felt so attached to them and what did, what was it that I felt that they can do that would be any different than what I can do for myself. And I stopped putting all of the power in the hands of them because it's not about other people. It's about what I do for myself that can help other people by doing it for myself. <laughs> and, and I don't know if that makes sense, if that's coming off the way that I want it to come off, but I'm basically saying that by constantly working on me in a positive way, only good things can come from that. So if, if, if an agent walk away from me, if a, if a man walks away from me, if my children were to leave me, if everybody were to say, fuck you, Kelly, <laughs> as long as I'm still good, as long as I'm still working on me in a positive way, good things has to come from that. And 
and, and I know that 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 can in a more Buddhist way, right? That would sound a little bit unrealistic because you're not expecting anything, but it's not more of an expectation. I think it's just more of a realization that the moment I start questioning these beliefs and the moment I start working on myself in a positive way was the moment that I stopped feeling all the pain and suffering and the moment that I was really able to control the headaches more than they were able to control me, you know? So um, that was super preachy, that last little part. Oh, oh, sickening. You can totally mute it or reverse and just not listen to it. But you already listened to it, so I guess that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but that was one that, uh, where am I at on time? 40? Okay, 40, 40. All right, I'm going to try to wrap this up, y'all. But I got so much shit that I ain't even get to on this piper. Oh, my God. I, I know, I do have to have a definitely another one. Um, yeah, I, I had so many. That was like, really, that really was the bulk of like a lot of what I wanted to share is that, you know, questioning, questioning the true belief, beliefs that you've been taught to think, even if you think, I'm talking about even as, as much as this may be hard for some, you know, Christians to really hear or whatever, questioning that the, the beliefs that you've even read about Jesus and every, just everything, questioning everything because as true as it may be or as untrue as it may be, nobody will ever know unless you question it. But if you just believe it, then you don't know. You don't know. You're just blindly going into something. And it doesn't, questioning doesn't have to be an aggressive, negative thing. You know, it's an empowering thing for yourself because it'll constantly make you question stuff. And it'll make you want to question stuff, which just in turn, I think, really helps us educate ourselves in a more well-rounded way. Just, you know, and I wasn't, I thought I wasn't smart for a very long time. Like I, and and I still have my doubts about it. Like when I write, I question my my intelligence all the time. And being smarter is sometimes harder. The more I read and the more I educate myself, the harder it is to accept some of the shit that I see and some of the shit that I, I am told is so hard. It, it makes you almost wanna be combative, which is almost why you need intelligence with meditation. You need both because I feel like the more intelligent you are, the easier it is for you to talk down and treat other people that aren't as intelligent like shit. Cause you're like, you're not even smart. You know, and it's not even a, a a conscious thing, I don't think. I think it's just like as a person talks to someone else and they notice that they're not on the same intellectual level, they automatically write that person off. And it's not fair unless they're a child, right? But I feel like you can learn anything from anybody, zero, well, two to two to 92, two to 102. You know, everybody has different experiences and you can learn anything from anybody. So listen and question, but not in a demeaning way. I don't know if I'm saying this the way I want it to be said. <laughs> I don't know if it's coming out right, but whatever. All right, so channeling back to me um, leaving my agent and all of that, I had some thoughts about, like, you know, we all, <laughs> we can be so impulsive sometimes. I know I can definitely be impulsive. And when something bad happens, I automatically want to fix it, right? Kind of like when you date somebody and then y'all go through a breakup, you automatically want to date somebody else to make yourself feel better. Or you start going out more and hanging with your friends because you want to feel good, you know? <laughs> and so I kind of felt like that about my agent. I, at first I was like, what do I have to do to fix this? But then I was like, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. No, that's how you've always done things, right? You've always ran at the next possible good solution that could fix this. And what that's done is it always makes you sad. Anytime you date somebody right after a really bad breakup, 
that new relationship never works. It sucks and it, it causes more pain. And now you feel like you're in love with both of them and you go back and forth forever. Like, I love him, but I love him too. And it's, it's, it's a fucking disaster. And understanding that made me step back and say, I have to learn to stop feeding the bull. Like, I have to learn to stop giving him exactly what he needs to turn around and basically plummet me with his force with his with his body because the more ability that you feed the energy or the thoughts or the negativity the more power that they have to attack you and I just understood that about this whole situation me sitting antsy trying to figure out what's my next move now that this I was like no your next move is to stay consistent on what you've been doing because as soon as you stop that consistency and you start looking for the next idea the next solution you'll look up and you'll notice that you haven't written in 30 days. You haven't done this in this amount of time. And now, full of shame, you don't want to go back to it, right? And I think that might have been the cause of me stopping the podcast, right? I had my one-hour taping coming up, and I was excited about that. And I was like, I need to focus on this. And we tell ourselves that we can't do multiple things at once. And, and sometimes we can't. Sometimes it is a lot to do multiple things at once. But in this particular instance, I could have damn, I could have for sure kept my podcast and did my one-hour special and not been affected in any way. But instead, I was afraid of something, and something was eating up at me. And, and for whatever reason, I needed to just fall short and back up on everything but understanding that and even being able to articulate that I feel like shows massive growth growth and 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 gets me to a point where you know tomorrow will be even easier than today so I had a quote that I wanted to give because you know I'm quoty like that I'd be throwing them quotes out there and shit um about looking for like I, I want it in that whole realm of conversation I just had, it is basically summing up like, do you do you know what you want? Right. I wasn't sure what I wanted um, and I, I, I didn't want to go running after these things that I thought would make me happy. Looking on Instagram, looking at videos of other people doing this and that and running after these ideas when I've already established these new things that I'm doing or these things that I've been doing. Like the writing has been a consistent, you know, several month thing now. It's like getting back to the true things that make me happy. And with that being said, Jim Rohn is probably the best to sum that up with, if you don't design your own life plan, chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan. And guess what? They've got planned for you. Not much. And that's real. <laughs> so most people, when they build these corporations or they have these ideas, they don't have you in mind. Just like when you're building your corporation or you're building or you're painting or you have your artistic project, you may have something that's special to you in mind, but you don't have any particular mass amount of people in mind that you're trying to help. You know, it's I mean, you have to start with you. And so I've started with me and I'm happy. I'm so happy to be back on this podcast. because I feel like I have so much more to offer my listeners now than I would have had seven months ago. Um, Yeah. That's that. Uh, R.I.P. Phil. Love you, babes. <laughs> I'm out, y'all.